Hello, friends, and welcome to the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is Stephen Dimmitt. It is my show, so I'm not sure who else it would be. Today, I have a very fun guest, Natalie Duran, a.k.a. Ninja Natalie. Natalie is a first-generation Filipino-American. She describes herself as a pro-ish climber. She is also an American ninja warrior. She's a television host, actor, and producer. She holds a Guinness World Record in rope climbing. She is a motorcycle enthusiast, a licensed pilot, a social media influencer, and she has a degree in neuroscience. So, a very fascinating character, and you'll get a sense of her abundantly energetic personality in the interview, and we had a lot of fun. We talked about growing up with the pressure to become a doctor and how becoming famous on YouTube in high school led her down the path to becoming a television host and actor. We talked about overcoming fear, how she integrates climbing into her daily life and her daily movement practice. We talked about living every day like a superhero and a lot more. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to follow Natalie on Instagram at ninja underscore Natalie. I'll link to it in the show notes. And be sure to check out some of her videos and related content for this conversation in the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com. Natalie is a very entertaining internet personality. And yeah, I definitely recommend checking out her stuff. I put out a follow-up conversation with John Glassberg last week about his send of The Nest, which was his first V15 that he recently put down in Red Rocks. If you enjoyed my episodes with John earlier this year, I definitely encourage you to check out the trailer for that. You can find it right there in your podcast feed. And I want to say thank you to everyone who has signed up for Patreon recently. I noticed quite a few signups this week. I assume from that conversation, it was a really good one. And yeah, I just wanted to say thank you. I really appreciate all of the support. And if you're on the fence, please consider signing up. It's $5 per month, and every sign up truly does make a difference and really lights my fire to keep these episodes coming. So. Once again, thank you to all the patrons, and thank you everyone for listening. And I think that's it. No other housekeeping today, so let's jump right in. Please enjoy this very fun and energetic conversation with Ninja Natalie. What's today? Today is Thursday. <laughs> Sorry, I know. I always try to do that because I'm like, with my job, I have like no idea what the day of the week is because every day is vacation and work day, you know? <laughs> uh, I resonate. Um, for the first time in my life in this last year, that is my life. And I've become that, Yay. The, I've become that obnoxious person that never knows what day of the week it is. Yeah, for the people of the routine, they're like, come on, it's hub day. It's the worst day of the week. We're like, oh, okay, I don't know. <laughs> what, uh, what does Thursday morning mean for you? How's your morning been so far? Uh, good. It's like, it's nice having the world pick back up again. Mm. Um, 
I am my own personal assistant and it's just like, it's trying to organize all the different campaigns I have to shoot or post or like pitch out to. So it's like, um, grasping my reality every morning is really what it is. <laughs> yeah. You've, you told me, we talked a few weeks ago and you mentioned that you're a pretty early riser and that you just kick things off with your adulting and get all of that out of the way as early as possible. Oh yeah. It's funny. Cause it's like, I'll, I'll, unfortunately I'm that person that I'll check my emails in bed. <laughs> yeah. If I get one of those emails, I'll be like one of those, like shoot up in bed and sit up and be like, Oh God, okay, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. I'm trying to break that habit for myself. I've been in a terrible habit recently of reaching straight for my phone first thing in the morning while I'm still laying there. Yeah. And... It's hard. It's like, it's probably have to put it like in another room or whatever, <laughs> but um, it's just, it's just a little convenient when it's right there. I know. I know. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm, I've already been recording. I'm good to go. I'm good to go. All right, let's do it. I thought we could start, you know, actually with you, it was difficult at first to decide how to start because there were so many interesting things and so many <laughs> funny little stories that I, you know, so, so many threads I wanted to pull on. But then thankfully this morning, you know, I'm always looking for that one thing that pops up. And I think the place where we have to start is with your new roller skates. <laughs> I would love to hear you tell me about your brand new roller skates. Yeah, I just got into roller skates and the culmination of it all was I actually loved inline skating when I was a kid. And it was like the most reasonable wheeled thing I could manage. Like I seem like a pretty good athlete, but I'm actually super clumsy when it comes to anything on wheels, like skateboards, <laughs> I always got road rash. I can never figure out an ollie. Um, long boards, for some reason, I just can never, like, break accurately with hills. But when it was, like, put skates, it was, like, the most, like, control I have. Um, but then now I got these, like, super crazy retro in-your-face roller skates that are, like, holographic. <laughs> and they have, like, these glitter blue laces. And it's totally opposite of my my style because I wear a lot of, like, black and um like yeah like ninja superhero like stuff which is kind of like you know just just pretty black <laughs> yeah so i think it's kind of funny because it's like a culmination i guess of a visual representation of what i think my personality is when i'm an extrovert so it's great <laughs> little flare on the feet <laughs> yeah you, yeah you switch it up every now and then i love it what has your uh roller skating practice been like recently do you have friends that roller skate with you? Or are you, you, you know, experimenting with this on your own? Uh, it's uh, the progression is I still, I, I get like shy when I like learn things from the first time. I'm the kind of person, like I will destroy myself learning things individually in, in the secrets and like the shadows of realms <laughs> just so I could like <laughs> fail privately. Um, Cause I'm, I am a performer. Like I'm, I'm the kind of person when, um, I will like to do drills and like practice things and learn things on my own, even though I don't need to, um, just so I could like have some sort of like, uh, experience before I kind of go out or reach out to people for like help with things. Uh, so that's, so like last night I spent, I have like, a, I live in Los Angeles and like this, uh, this, uh, this condo apartment complex and they have like the perfect like concrete flooring in the garage which is like like smooth and flat and mm. like has no hills so i'm just like whipping it in between the lanes <laughs> trying to dodge all the cars and everyone's like who the 
is this chick in the garage at like 11 o'clock at night just rollerblading around (laughs) oh man i hope you've been filming videos of that i would love to love to see that um (laughs) and for people that haven't seen you you know you mentioned your ninja slash superhero get up but it's I love your style. It's like a combination of that and then like Harley Davidson rider. It's like black leather and it's kind of ninja. It's kind of like, you know, like renegade Harley. And then you've got these holographic roller skates on your feet. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting trying to like pinpoint my style now. Definitely throughout <laughs> my life, there's been transitions. This is why I also believe like, you know, it's not a bad thing when people say you've changed. <laughs> Um, it, as long as you know, you just always try to transform yourself. What about now the high school like, yearbook? Don't ever change. Stay who you are. Change. Yeah. Yeah. Stay back in 1995, Brad. <laughs> um, but no, change is, change isn't a bad thing. And, and now it's, it's 50% boy clothes and mm. 50% like tight functional clothing, which is why I've, I've always kind of wanted to start my own clothing line because I feel like there's a niche of specific women, I guess, that don't really need to be genderified with like super hyper tight, sexy like mm. outfits. But I want to look like badass, but actually have things tight when I need it, but then also loose and, and comfortable in like other spaces. Mm. So I'm exploring that now and having the world of motorcycling is great because it's like legit functional. So I don't get road rash in addition to you know, having clothing where I can hang upside down. I'm not going to like flash a a titty or something. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I love it. A clothing line on top of all these other things. So I would love, I would love to get into some of the things that you do. And I, I have a specific question, but I need to kind of set it up here. So you and I were talking on the phone a few weeks ago and you were saying that you really dislike labels such as, you know, a career or having a job. And looking at your bio, it's really easy to understand why. I mean, for one, you clearly are not someone who lets a label like a career define you and you just do whatever the hell you want to do. But then for two, I can't really imagine finding language to encapsulate all of the different things that you do. So just looking at your bio on your website, I I had to do a bunch of, you know, double takes and triple takes. And I was I was looking at it again this morning, and I still saw new things that I hadn't noticed before. So you've been a professional climber. You are an American ninja warrior and have made it to finals in that. You work as a television host and actress. You currently hold a Guinness World Record in rope climbing. You're a pilot. Yeah. You ride Harleys. You roller skate. And you have a degree in neuroscience. So. Yeah. And you think so, I'm a TV producer too. But a that's TV not producer. So public. Yeah. So I would love to hear if you were to be stuck in an elevator, and I'm sure this happens from time to time with someone, how do you describe what you do? Or how do you describe your life? Oh, this happens your life? all the time. Yeah. Tell and me. I feel like such an ass because I'm like, <laughs> it's not elevators, it's more like Uber rides. So, <laughs> okay. like, for some reason, and I think it's just because the picture I put on my profile at the time, I like, it was one of my headshots from like, uh, like a red carpet event I had. Hmm. And it was, I was like, I look fucking great. I'm going to just upload this. But every time I go in the Uber, every Uber driver was like, hi, like, what do you do? Like, who are you? And, I, and I'm like, 
this like there's there's not enough words for me to describe <laughs> who I am and what I do in like this <laughs> 10 minute Uber ride. So I literally, if, you know, like, come on, like sometimes you just don't want to talk in an Uber. So sometimes I sometimes I divulge, but sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a CPA. Hmm. Like no one's ever going to ask any more questions when you're a certified freaking like tax preparer or like, you know. <laughs> or anything like that that is a conversation ender right there that's really funny (laughs) exactly so it's either i'll describe everything if i feel like i'm in a quarantine talkative mood i'm like ooh, human contact but otherwise (laughs) i'm just like yeah i'm a bank teller (laughs) (laughs) they're like cool cool i love it so i want to i want to back up to i want to kind of cover some of the arc of, you know, where you came from and how you got to where you're at, because I think it's so interesting. And I want to back up a little bit to, I guess, where it all started, which was, um, which was the neuroscience and the schooling and your parents immigrating in the 70s. And it sounds like you grew up in a pretty traditional household with pressure and some expectations to pursue the kind of traditional model. So I'd love to hear... I'd love to hear what your upbringing was like and what your schooling was like and and what that family dynamic was like. And then ultimately stumbling into YouTube and, um, and where things went from, from there. But can you kind of take us through that, that journey? The journey is as I was born, (laughs) I was destined to become a doctor. (laughs) So like coming out of the wound, I had high expectations, but that's kind of just saying I came, I was born into this, this amazing family from with amazing parents. Um, but it's very unique being a first generation Asian American. So that means, yeah, both of my parents immigrated from the Philippines in the seventies and you know, they, they sacrifice a lot. My mom never shared this, her full story and to me until recently, which made me appreciate her even more, is that she graduated like top three in her class of just like the nursing boards of like the Philippines, oh, like wow. the whole country. So that's when like the whole family invested in putting money into her to just buy her a ticket to like to America to get her her whole like life started over here. But she only had like two hundred bucks when she arrived to like make things happen. So she hustled really hard and um, just kind of found like one amazing job here at UCLA and like never left and basically grew uh, a lot of the educational nursing programs at UCLA. And I lived a house that was maybe an hour and a half away. So she would commute every day through Los Angeles traffic, maybe three hours daily, um, like working. So as a kid, I never realized that. But once I actually moved to LA myself formally, I was like, oh my God, you are a, like, what? <laughs> I was like, thank you. Yeah, there weren't so, even podcasts to listen to back then. Oh no, yeah. It was like <laughs> just horrible radio commercials the whole time. So Man. coming from this kind of world, there was a lot of pressure, not even societal pressure, but just like parental pressure to be successful. And um, it's... It, I had a certain balance of like, you know, I was always being trying to be rebellious, but at the same time, um, you know, I never talked back to my parents. I, I, like, it's actually terrified me when I would see my other friends at school, like talk back to their parents. I was like, no way. Like you're going to get the freaking shoe, bro. Like, how could you ever say that? Um, but it was, you know, it was a balance. And I, at a young age, I still, I, I realized I appreciated all the work that they do. And 
all the tough love comes from a space. So, and they always like directed me in the path to becoming a doctor. And, um, you know, it's, I never really forced my way out of that. It was more of a like a respect. And I did love science. I love, I love learning about the body. I learn, I love learning about like just biology in general, because it helped me understood the world. Uh, so, you know, I continued in that path because I didn't really know what I wanted to do in life. And this was like, okay, this is a clear cut path. I'm going to just, you know, continue with it. And, but at the same time, I always needed a sense of a creative outlet. I think like we all do as, as humans, we all need to be creative and create. And however you do that, you have to find it yourself. And mine was, I, I tried to create music, horrible, can't sing. Huh. And I tried to like paint and I was like, oh my God, my penmanship is trash and I can't draw uh, a, a circle to save my life. But it was something about sharing stories and I loved video editing. Um, and that's something that I did in my bedroom, uh, like since 2006. So I was one of the first generation of like YouTube vloggers to even define what the word vlog means. And I would just share crazy stories about like the stupid things me and my friends do in high school, like, you know, like the cinnamon challenge and chubby bunny and, um, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so that was my balance of having a creative outlet, but at the same time being, um, you know, really stern with my studies. I think I know what you mean by the cinnamon challenge, but can you describe that for people? Oh, it's the worst thing ever. It's like when you do one of those things where you're like, maybe you could do it. Don't do it. You're gonna, <laughs> it's horrible. So you're supposed to take like a full spoonful of just dry cinnamon, not like no sugar, just cinnamon powder. And you're supposed to just eat it without any water. You're like, oh easy um no it coats the lining of your throat and it feels like you're legit dying um it's the most one of the most painful things i've experienced up to this point so but it, it gives a great reaction video <laughs> i imagine it does I, i'm curious with the early youtubing and then you know ultimately you became successful through that and I'm, I, i'd love to hear more about how that led to uh, becoming an actress and reality TV and all that. But was that just like a slow growth thing? Or did you have like any particular stories or videos that went viral? Did, did you kind of like have a breakout moment? Or was it just this slow, steady building thing? Yeah, in the beginning, like with anyone who tries to create things on social media, um, it's building content up first, and you start gaining traction when you're consistent. Mm. Uh, and and like kind of like po having your own style so um it was a slow bit at first but i just love sharing it i was really just posted so i could share it with other people in my school but then the beauty of of how the platform grew into itself with tags and um and and text and it it really did blow up because i like later found out there's there's a there's a lot of people who are online trying to find a community or trying to find other people that are similar to them so I would resonate, um, people would share their own stories of like being, being first generation Asian American. Cause I would always joke about my parents. Um, it was my only creative outlet to kind of like express that anxiety. Um, so yeah, I had other people share their own stories of, of like stresses at home and making jokes about, you know, their own family. And it was maybe two to three years in. And then by that time I was posting bi-monthly. Uh, it really kind of exploded. It was, yeah, I would get like not only a few viral videos, but I think because my videos were very consistent and the kind of dialogue I had, people would continue to watch my videos um, after they watched the first one. Mm. And that's when this random person 
Um, his name's Richard Brius, and he was the one kind of person who saw that like the opportunities I could I could reach. And he reached out to me in like one of my emails. He was like, "Hey, you know, I think you could monetize this." I was like, "What does that mean?" <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and then he was saying all these huge like promises. I was like, "Stranger danger, I don't know you. If you're really serious, you could talk to my parents." He's like, "Okay, like um, we'll schedule a call." I was like, "Oh, r- really?" So, how how like old were you? Whole- you're in high school at this point. Oh yeah, I was in high school and this was like if now this is a normal thing, but can you imagine back in the day some dudes like I could make money off of your daughter. And you know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, it was a yeah. weird experience for a lot of us, but it um, I imagine especially you know, for your parents. I mean, what did they think of all this at first? Oh, they were super sketched up and they're like, You're making videos online, you know? <laughs> so like it was it was definitely I had to like show them and convince them like this is a, a whole different platform, especially when their definition of success is the traditional doctor lawyer, right. definable career based kind of things that's been established for for, for generations. <laughs> so um it, the, the solidifying moment is that he had a few pitches lined up for me. Like in the first few years, I, I got to work with JCPenney, um, Intel, uh, American Cancer Association. And these were pretty big campaigns. And that was the moment they're like, okay, like you could do this on the weekends, you know, like mm. we're on the side. So that was my first job technically of my young adult life. Like I never had, it was cool. I never had to like work at Starbucks or you know, a chain or, or at the mall, I like would make YouTube videos in my room. <laughs> so you talked about, you know, connecting with uh, or, or realizing that there are all these people out there that were looking for people like themselves, you know, and, and looking for connection online. And when we were talking on the phone uh, a few weeks back, you you mentioned that you've always pursued the weirder things in life. And that you used to do it solo, and now you just do all the same stuff, but you have friends. You've you've found a little tribe to do it with. And I would love to just have you describe what a day in the life, what a Thursday in the life of Natalie Duran looks like nowadays. Oh, yeah, today's Thursday. Right, right. We're like, what day of the week is it? Um, yeah, the culmination of just being weird and being comfortable being different was just... First, just being okay being loud. Like, Hmm. I appreciate being Filipino because we're the more louder, quote-unquote, kind of Asians. Um, (laughs) So it was nice having a friend group where it was one of those, like, you'll you'll be, like, eating at, like, a restaurant, and you're like, oh, crap, we're, like, the loudest people here. And, like, you don't do it on purpose to piss people off, but it's just because you're so comfortable and you're laughing so hard, you're like, what, like, you don't realize... Um, yeah, you're being really loud. So that's how it started out. But then <laughs> it was verbally being really loud. And then once I started beco- uh, becoming a rock climber and doing all these different forms of movements, I became visually loud. <laughs> so that would mean like I would just, you know, as a climber, don't you ever just see something like an I beam? You're like, ooh, I'm gonna climb that right now. Like you, <laughs> like you run up like a little kid, and it's like the whole world is your jungle gym. I think so most like, climbers think that, but then you are actually the one doing it every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably and it's um, I love it. I, yeah it's it was funny because i had uh an internal conflict uh i think a few days ago i was like i that's what i did i i went to muscle beach i climbed this tall structure that i do every single day 
And then there was this like dude who was walking by and trying to like egg on people next to me, like the things people do for attention these days. Mm. And then I was like, I was like, huh, interesting, interesting, interesting. I was like, I was like, what insecurity is it in him or me? I was like, it just baffled me. But I was like, I also don't care because I'm not doing, I'm not asking you to stare at me. I'm just like doing what I love, Mm. which is different from any, like what anyone could perceive. Um, you know, like, uh, this, I can't like imagine myself not climbing every single day because it's just how I get out of bed is, is I have to get vertical or like hang off of my arms. It's, (laughs) it's what, it's what my normal life cycle is. So I guess on a normal Thursday, we were talking about this earlier is that thankfully because I work so yeah, I don't know what my job is. My job is like a whole bunch of different things. Like, you know, I'm in, I'm in, uh, a TV producer. I am an actor. I'm a, I'm a host. I'm an athlete, uh, and like a social media, whatever person. Um, so every day is vacation and every day is work day, you know? So <laughs> it's, it's just always every day moving, but always staying organized with my life. It's the balance. Of, it's still the balance of adulting and, and having the stress relief. Mm. And that's their movement. I'm always interested in that. What are some of the key things that you tools or organizational tools, things like that. Like what are some of the things that you use to stay organized and try to find that balance? Yes. I mean, it it goes from, thank God we have technology to sync all of our devices, but like literally in front of me, I'm staring at um, like a, you know, like those yellow notebook things. I I go from legal pad. Yeah. I have a legal pad in front of me. Okay. (laughs) So I, I go from like old school, I have to draw things out so I could just see it. And then uh, there's too many things in my life I have, I can't remember on the fly. So like if I have a shoot date, or I have a deadline I need to reach, I have like notifications that will ping me mm. and, and that stuff. But on like the social media side, it's cool because I've been an influencer uh, since like in creator since 2006. I'm, I'm part of this like new platform called Lumanu. And then I'm helping them develop a way to organize our social campaigns. So, Hmm. and then having the payout because a lot of the things of being like a social media influencer is that there's a lot of like behind the scenes contracts and like legal things you have to do beyond just the full content creation of it. So it's cool having that platform because I have all my campaigns like organized into one space. What was the name of that again? Lumanu. So it's L-U-M-A-N-U. Okay. Yeah, we're trying to build it out. So everyone from like, you know, millions of followers to people who have like maybe a few thousand followers, it's a good platform for them to just know their net worth, have an organized platform where their campaigns are all there and then just getting paid out and having that process be streamlined because it's just really complicated now. Yeah, that seems like a really valuable tool. Is that something I can link to yet or is it still kind of in the works? Oh, yeah, for sure. I definitely have link outs provided for that. Awesome. Cool. I'll share those in the in the show notes for people. Getting back to Muscle Beach in this combination of every day being work and vacation. I was just looking at your Instagram this morning and you had an Instagram post that just said, the theme parks are closed, so I made my own. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Can you can you tell me more about that? Oh yeah. So Describe it's that. a video, it's a video that I uploaded pretty recently and it's my favorite because it's the culmination of my life and my community and my partner up to, up to this point. So if anyone knows uh, original Muscle Beach in Santa Monica, it's less Arnold Schwarzenegger and more like 
bars and like acroyogis and acrobats. Um, because of COVID, the 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 city of Santa Monica removed everything that's free, like that that could be hanging or removed. So they took down the ropes, they took down the rings. They can't remove the bars because they're just structurally integrated into the ground. Thank God. Yeah. So, so th- this is kind of to paint a scene. It's kind of like an adult playground where normally oh, yeah. there would be gymnastics rings and ropes and things just hanging all over the place to play on. Exactly. It's the most unique place in the world. And I've traveled um, pretty quite often around the world and trying to find a place that's similar to this. But to the height, like these bar structures are reaching like 25 feet high and there's there's no fence around it. So you could go like any time of the day. And this is why I, I love this place. So everything's gone besides the freestanding structures. So uh, my partner and I, Andreas, we wanted to just still swing because we love swinging. So we ended up buying our own gymnastics ring, getting cordelette and, um, you know, uh, beaners to attach our own rigging to the freestanding structures. And um, it's been successful so far. So uh, I, I feel I could only get away with it because I've, I've, I've gotten like really close with the Santa Monica police. <laughs> Which is a, which has been a stressful journey. Um, before before I get to the roller coaster part, I'm just gonna say uh, have a quick story uh, yeah. of my yeah my. So I have Please. like a poli- I, I, I like a police code and and I'm kind of known at in Santa Monica because I climb the tallest structure and then I literally hang off of it without any ropes or any like harness and stuff like that and I do this movement flow. Uh, it's kind of like an aerial dance without uh, just with my arms, just nothing else. And there's always a Karen that calls the police. They're like, there's this girl that's going to commit suicide. And I'm like, you can't just throw that word around. Because when someone says something like that to the police, they have to address it. Mm. And they come every time uh, and they notice it's the same person. So they're always like, is it a girl with long hair? Like, yeah. And they'll be like, she's fine. And then hang up. Uh, so like, yeah, there's there's a girl that, that, that in my name with that whole structure. Can I? Then, uh, I'm so curious about that. Can I find that? Do you have like? A... Uh, no. So I found out about it because my cousin started seeing like uh, a Santa Monica, Santa Monica police, like a police officer, and she, she always mentioned it, but I never met him until I was like shopping one day at the Fort Street Promenade in Santa Monica, and um, it was around Christmas too. I was like, you know, high spirits. It's Christmas. Oh my god, wow! And then I got arrest jokingly arrested they're like because these two police officers came up to me and i had no idea who they were they're like ma'am we have some reports of you climbing structures illegally i'm like oh fuck here we go <laughs> this, this moment is happening but they like take the cuffs off and they're like they're like putting my i'm like oh my god this is really happening and then they're like walking away everyone's like staring at me i'm like oh my god i never knew this was gonna be the moment and then they're like oh just kidding like we're friends with your uh, cousin leslie i was like oh <laughs> i just start like pummeling to the ground like on all fours i was like thank god and then they told me the whole story of that and uh i was like okay good good this is a i think they i i will say being a chick contributes to you know getting away with the stuff and Mm. and how i put myself out there and how i climb things i do i only climb structures i'm fully confident in you know uh, you know how as a climber you do like the shake the shit out of it test where you like you knock on rocks to hear if it's hollow mm. or like for poles, you shake it to see the structural integrity. Um, 
if you see the stuff I do, I, I, I seem confident at it. So there shouldn't be any doubt like that. I'm trying to do something sketchy. Uh, so at least I kind of like put that out there. So that's the kind of level I, I have with the police. <laughs> Can I find like a photo or a video of this, of you climbing this tall structure and the flow that you're talking about? Yeah, for sure. It's, okay. um, yeah, I, I gotta dig deep for when I actually had ropes and stuff like that. So, oh yeah, for now that there's no ropes, there's no rings. We installed our own rings, and why I love the people I surround myself with is that we keep one upping ourselves. <laughs> in not in a way where like your friend is like, I just want to see you like eat shit. It's it's kind of like I know your capability. You should totally try this because I can't. Mm. Um, and Andreas made the suggestion on we rig it and then we pull the string back. So it's completely taut. And then we release from the high bar. So it's like you just swing from the complete horizontal apex of the structure. <laughs> and it's terrifying <laughs> because you're hanging upside down with all your grip and and you're you're hooking your feet along this pole and then you just release it. And it feels like a legit roller coaster. Like you're you're like <laughs> and then your 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 gut goes into your mouth. And you're like, I hope my grip stays on. Yeah, I was just about to ask about that. I mean, climbers have pretty strong grips, but I saw that video and I was just like, I would not have the confidence to do that. I would... Mixed grip. Just mixed grip. It. Mixed that's, grip. All. that's the only advice I have. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if the story will do it justice. I will be sure to, if you're okay with it, I'll be sure to reshare that video on oh, heck yeah. the Nugget Climbing Instagram page. So be sure to follow that and I'll, I'll share a video of that. It's just, it just looks like a raucous good time. <clears throat> Perfect. <laughs> so kind of back to a day in the life, you and I were talking and one thing that stuck out to me is you said that you you have a few different gyms that you go to and you train every day and it sounds like you just kind of, you know, you said you're not the strictest athlete and you just go to a few different gyms or whatever gym you feel like for the day. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So when it's uh, kind of like in a normal circumstance, I would wake up, I usually like to like board around to do my errands because one, I'm an impatient person. So I like to just, instead of walking, I'll ride my motorcycle or I'll longboard to like uh, a grocery store. Now you can roller skate. Exactly. So, and then like the first gym I would usually go to is like uh, a rock climbing gym. I, I go to like Cliffs of Id over here in LA. And then I will climb there to train either by myself or with like other people. And then I would go to Sunset at Santa Monica Muscle Beach every sunset. That's more like mm. therapeutic to hang out with friends um, and just climb the tall rope. And then once the sun sets, I would go to Tempest's uh, like like a free running gym, and that's in like South Bay. So oh, like those are like, like a parkour gym, like a parkour gym, yeah. Okay. And that's definitely my weakness, but it's one of those I force myself to try to do more parkour because it's legs and not arms necessarily. Mm. Uh, yeah, and it seems like it's a pretty strict regimen, but it's more playtime and, like, fun. I wish I would say, like, I have a certain, like, regimen to do, um, but I kind of just do things uh, for fun. Like, I don't yeah. run. Like, cardio is so painful, and I'm, like, miserable <laughs> doing it. Um, I'll do it every now and then, but I don't schedule it in at all. Yeah. Are you training for anything at this point? Do you still compete in Ninja Warrior or any of these other challenge shows that you do? 
Yeah, currently, I guess for this year, just because life has changed so much, I am not, I'm not like elite training for a specific competition. Now for me at this point, it's kind of more maintenance of, I guess, like keeping my plateau because now I do more um, like engineering of obstacles for, for reality shows and just kind of upkeeping my, my kind of like skill level. Hmm. So I'll just, um, cause, cause injuries are just not fun, you know, and I would just get tendonitis all the freaking time. Huh. So at this point, it's kind of more of like a balance of active stretching, um, strength conditioning, just for the functional moves I know I do. And just so I could kind of maintain my, my level of like ninja capabilities, because <laughs> actually tomorrow I'll go into a facility called the ATS facility where they have the the ninja obstacles for this upcoming season kind of pre-built. And then we're tweaking the obstacles for the competitors to compete on in like a month or so. I was going to ask about that. Is there such thing as like a ninja warrior gym? I mean, you've got your climbing gym and your parkour gym. Um, if you weren't involved in the TV show, would you be able to to find access to these obstacles and practice that sort of stuff? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like we have one. The only training, really good training facility we have for Ninja Warrior in L.A. is called Movement Lab. Okay. And it's like in Arcadia. Um, but generally speaking, now it's been really there's been it's very been very expansive in the past like three years because Ninja Warrior has just exploded in not just popularity, but just people know about it. Mm. And it's like just a fun new way to move. And it's, it kind of like expands beyond just like my generation, but it's like young kids and, and, and moms and dads are getting into it. So there's always <laughs> a ninja gym now. And like, I think every like kind of region, mm. there's people who start because they, you know, um, I think it's great stories like people who would watch the show and they were maybe like a pizza delivery person or they were like a car used car salesman went on the show training for ninjas completely changed their life. So they switched their life 180, quit their job and then open up their own ninja gym. And huh. uh, it, it just helps grow the community. It's really awesome. <laughs> that is incredibly cool. And I think I remember reading that you have done some coaching. I think you coached like a, an actor for an upcoming oh yeah yeah can you tell me about that so that was for ninja War a special um episode of ninja warrior red nose day where red nose um, day. yeah it's like this it's it's this like three hour it's like a telethon but like a, like a lot more modern and and kind of like more involved so people could call in and we have a special kind of episode where we would bring in celebrities and then we have, I would be a ninja trainer and if you and a few other like uh, top level ninjas, we would train these celebrities just to go through the course. And they're like, <laughs> it ranges from actual athletes to like just actors. But it's really cool um, getting to train these actors. I did Mina Suvari. She was the actress of like American Beauty. Mm. And she's awesome. It's like, she maybe is not like an athlete, but it's like her her mental gung-ho-ness is what got her through the course. And I think that that's what's majority uh, being a ninja is. It's not only physically strong, but you have to be mentally capable of telling yourself you could do this. Mm. Very interesting. There's so many directions I want to go with this, but I kind of have to jump on that. <laughs> and this ties back to neuroscience. I have to ask you about your brain scan. Oh, Yeah. And fear conditioning, ultimately, is, is what I am really curious about with this. But can you tell me about your brain scan? Like, wh where did that 
how did that fit in and where did that come from? Yeah, for sure. So I, I have throughout college, I switched my major from biochemistry to neuroscience because the university I was at had, was, had a specialty department for neuroscience. And I was like, all about the brain. This is awesome. So I got my degree in it. And ever since then, I'm learning about the brain, actually holding like physical human brains, not alive, but the dead ones. And then ever since then, I'm like, damn, I just want to know what mine looks like. Because, you know, I, I know myself, I'm, I'm a bit different than majority of the people in the world. And I always wondered uh, what my brain looks like. So I actually um, voluntarily put myself into a, 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 a study to, to kind of have my brain scan. Um, however, they're going to use my data for my brain, whatever, but I just wanted access to my brain scans. So <laughs> I like signed all these HIPAA paperwork, whatever came to the hospital to take like an, uh, to take image slices of my brain. So I can see cross-sectional images of my brain. And the one area I wanted to look at is this area called the amygdala, which is where fear is like processed, created and dispersed. And I think a lot of people heard the story too, is that like Alex Honnold also got his brain scans and he has just a smaller area of the amygdala or the fear condition um, area than like majority of people do. Mm. And I think it's a combination of genetic inheritance where this is just how our brains were from the beginning and get go. But I also thoroughly believe that the brain is plastic. Like the brain is capable of changing, maybe not physically, but how it's utilized uh, changes depending how we train it. So I, I, I looked at mine specifically and it is, it, it is smaller, which means, uh, hmm. there's less surface area contributing to it processing fear, but that's <laughs> definitely not saying I don't have fear, but it's one of those, um, I, I, I have an internal dialogue every time I train or every time I learn a new skill, even when it's like roller skating. I'm like, mm. don't fall on your ass. You got this. <laughs> well, that is perfect. That's why I wanted to ask. And that is what I would love to dig deeper into. I would love to hear more about that internal dialogue. Like what are some of the things that you, you know, thinking back on your career and thinking back on maybe uh, training yourself to, cope with fear or give in to fear less or compartmentalize it, whatever it is, I'd love to hear what some of those dialogues have been and, and how you've kind of trained yourself in that way. Oh, for sure. And I want to always come across that's like, I'm not an exceptional person. I have fear all the time and any new skill I have, like I used to be legitimate afraid of heights when I first started climbing, like it, like mantling a 15 foot wall. I'm like, Oh God, this is a lot. But I think the key thing is feeling fear and really, um, and just seeing it and stepping back from your own psyche and just seeing fear for what it is and not really take, letting it take over your whole body. You know how you get sweaty and then your just heart starts racing just know that it's a wave, it's a process and um, just like feeling all of it, but then also letting it go. So when I'm afraid of something, I'll like get shaky and then like I'll start sweating, but then I'll just do this little dance and then control my breathing. Uh, the breath is a very powerful tool that, tool that we could consciously put awareness to and that could bring us back into a more homeostatic state of awareness from your body and your brain. Hmm. Um, so like for a lot of sport climbing things or for when I start performing a Ninja Warrior, I'll allow myself to be scared for a few seconds, but then start to control my breathing and putting my awareness to go away from that. And it's, it's really desensitizing my, my focus and just like, um, 
kind of pulling back, like, this isn't so serious. You know what I mean? Like, this mm. is not a big deal. And sometimes I'll just look at my feet. Uh, whenever I had to jump off a big cliff or had to do a big stunt, I'll just stare at my toes and just focus on my toes and then and then say, okay, three, two, one, I'm going to initiate this movement and uh, and then just let momentum take its course. <laughs> Hmm. So you just mentioned, uh, you know, saying to yourself, you got this. Are, are there any other kind of mantras or phrases that you repeat to yourself in those moments? Yeah, it actually changes for when I do quick, fast twitch muscle, like like bouldering or dynoing and stuff like that. It's more of um, I actually won't think about the move because the more I think about the move, uh, the more I'll mess it up. Hmm. I'll think about the initial like reaction, like what I need to do. Then I'll step back and like, like I said, I'll stare at my finger, my fingers. I'm like, oh, look at my nail. Like, I'll just look at something so basic and just like look at physical things so I could take my focus off of overanalyzing the situation. Uh, when it comes to more of endurance uh, obstacles or challenges, just like when I was on the challenge for MTV, I basically ran two marathons in over a day and a half with no sleep across the South African desert. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh yeah. Like <laughs> for it, someone it was, that doesn't like running. <laughs> oh my God. But I'll run for a million dollars. That's for dang sure. Um, my, my, my feet were, my, were hurting so bad. I lost four toenails and Jesus. it's, it was, it was an interesting level of pain because you just had to endure it and you couldn't give up. And I would just literally, I would do the Nemo um, phrase. I would just keep swimming, just keep <laughs> swimming. And I would just repeat that for hours, for like 12 hours in my head. You know, it was like going legit cycle, but that was my mantra. Just keep swimming. <laughs> do you think it helps to have seen your brain scan and, and understand the what's happening on like a, you know, biological or, or a neuroscience level? Do you think it helps to have that understanding or are they totally separate things? I think the brain scans didn't help me understand, but it helped me validated what I already did up to that point, which was I am thankful learning about the brain and neuroscience um, at such an analytical level because it made me understand emotions, fear, and a lot of the hardships of just the emotions of life in the most um, like black and white sense. Because if I was like stressed out for a test or like if, if I'm in a relationship and I'm like freaking out about something, I'm like, this is literally an imbalance of hormones or a rush of a certain neurotransmitter. And I would think about it like that. I was like, okay, I'm just depleted right now. Um, this will pass. Mm. And I could, I just know I could come to a normal state. So if I just, if I had a stressful moment and my body's freaking out, I would look at it at, at, and I would step back from my own self just saying, this is not me. This is just an imbalance of hormones. And saying that to myself gave me a really comfortable sense of self because i knew it's not always going to be like this i'm not going to feel this this level of crap all the time mm. Mm. and i think that contributes a lot to how easy it is to get in a depressive state because you're validating that this is this is this is who i am or this is the state that i'm going to be in forever and it's a dangerous place to be in because when you know spiritual people say like your mindset is everything or like your thoughts are reality it really is um and that's what placebo effect is too it's if you fake it, you fake it till you make it. And it's to any level extent of your, of your life. And, and to even to the extent of happiness, you know? Mm. Yeah. Pretending like you're happy is a really good way to actually work your way towards genuine happiness. 
Right. I mean, you definitely got to handle your issues face first. You can't bear that stuff. But yeah. in the moments where, like, you know, you're feeling triggered by, like, an annoying driver or whatever, um, just take a deep breath and step back and be like, I don't need to feed into this anger. Mm. Those yeah, essential moments. Don't need to identify with it. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for that. I would love to ask you about climbing. Um, so if I look at your, so looking at your Instagram profile was really interesting. You just have one line there along with all these other things that you do that says pro-ish climber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I thought it was really interesting. Can you describe what what that means, being a pro-ish climber and what climbing means to you these days or right, what it looks yeah. like for you? The, the how, how climbing has shaped my life is the like singular thing I could define as how I'm, how I'm successful today, mentally and quote-unquote career-wise. Because I started climbing um, in my freshman year of college, and it was the year where I finally got my first car. And like I told you, I came from a very strict household um, where I didn't, I couldn't do fun things at all, <laughs> and I couldn't go out. So when I first got my first car, I was like, "Oh my god, I could like go places without having my parents drive me there." I'm so curious. And what was your first car? I have to ask. Oh, it was adorable. This is before I became a climber. It was um, a Volkswagen convertible Beetle, and it was baby. Oh. It was the cutest Malibu Barbie car ever. <laughs> Not the most functional, but um, it actually was a really functional camping car because I could take the whole top off and mm. then throw two crash pads in the rear uh, seat area perfectly. Two Mad Rock crash pads. It was awesome. <laughs> and I brought that thing to Yosemite. Uh, Josh a tree on a weekly basis, and yeah, that was it was a freaking rad car. That's awesome. Oh yeah, so, so I, like, de I derailed dream. you. Sorry. Oh no, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I came. That was my first thing I did as my as like an adult, like by myself, uh, just not knowing anyone. And I fell in love with it immediately. I sprained my ankle the first day, but um, hmm. for some reason, the failure and pain of that really motivated me to just continue with it. And and I don't know what it was about that, but that's how I know something was really special. Were um, you bouldering that first day? Oh, for sure. And I landed yeah. off of the crash pad like, yeah. on the edge of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that classic example. But I knew this is something I wanted to do all the time. And still living in my parents' home, I had to validate to them why this needed to be a part of my life. So I couldn't hmm. do it just recreationally. I had to have some sort of validating um, like expectations to show my parents I'm not wasting my time. So <laughs> I would train so hard every week, every day to like, even just get like my first sponsor, which was you know, Mad Rock. And, and it was awesome because I would, it would think that's the, the success of having social media at that time. I got, they, it brought the attention to Mad Rock. Cause maybe I wasn't at the level of the top climbing elite at the time. Cause I was still growing, but I was creating like awesome content and doing a lot of shoots and that really caught their eye. And then that's when I started competing. And I was like, look, mom and dad, like, this is, there's someone like sponsoring me. And then they're <laughs> like, okay, okay, we could see how this goes, you know, when you're not in finals and in school. So that was the kind of like, I had to just keep training so hard just for, because I loved it. And also to, to, to make my parents comfortable. I'm spending hours a day training for this. <laughs> yes. And it sounds like you ended up competing for a few years. 
Yeah, I competed. Um, I was like a collegiate camp- champion for CCS for all the years I was in college. Um, I established a rock climbing club at UCR, the at the university I was at, and then just traveling a lot to do, um, yeah, just to compete at regional competitions and stuff like that. It was, it was the best thing I could do during college to not be just part. I didn't party at all. Like I didn't drink till I was 21 just because I was busy climbing to Keats and going to camping in Joshua Tree in the weekends. <laughs> and so it was a great thing to have in my life at the time. <laughs> That's awesome. And what does it look like for you now? I mean, you just mentioned that you have this climbing gym that's a part of your regular circuit. Uh, what does climbing look like for you now? Climbing is, it's it's less, um, I guess also because of COVID, less gym focused, but now it's more how I could transform it in a different way than I've been doing before, which uh, uh, before I would just do a lot of like crimps and like static climbing. And it transformed when I became, when I was doing Ninja Warrior to more dynamic and dinos and like stupid climbing moves that you would never find in the (laughs) outdoor space. And then now it's like finding different mediums that I could integrate movement into. Hmm. So it's like, thank God for climbing because I have utmost control of my upper body strength because now it's not just maintenance. It's like now I feel like, you know, my hands are an extension um, just beyond grabbing things. It like holds my whole body. Like, like I said, I'm addicted to just hanging every single day. So it's like (laughs) utilizing that to more like circus tricks now, like hanging off a rope, um, a trapeze and all these different moves. And it's cool having a community that's, that's like acrobats, ninja warriors, rock climbers is that we're kind of creating a different form of movement and, and it's a lot of fun. Mm. It's like vertical dance, (laughs) vertical dance. I love it. I'd love to hear, like, what are some of the more unlikely or memorable structures or random things that you've climbed? Oh, man. Uh, oh, actually, one of the more interesting stories is my my partner, uh, my partner right now, Andreas. We don't call each other boyfriend, girlfriend. We call each other partners because I, I thoroughly believe that, you know, you don't someone shouldn't own you. You shouldn't own someone else. And the label boyfriend, girlfriend always like irked me out with him specifically. So it was more like a partnership, you know, you, you help each other grow and like you value each other on an individual basis. Um, so like when we first started seeing each other, even just as friends, um, it was awesome finding another person that liked not only climbing, but doing ridiculous things. So we would (laughs) sneak into, yeah, we live in LA, both of us live, like he just moved to LA and then the, there was just a lot of new buildings coming up and there was a lot of more cranes coming up. So we would spend three in the morning um, and sneaking into construction facilities to, to climb cranes and then hang off of them at the top. <laughs> For what reason we need to do it? I have no idea. It was just so freaking awesome. It felt like hiking to the top of half dome, you know? Mm. So those are fun. Thankfully, we haven't been arrested for that. Um, It's hard to do it now when I have like contractual obligations to not be like in jail. Uh, So now it's more like, you know, little one offs on uh, like traffic lights and stuff like that. Like things where I could easily run away from if a policeman is like, hey, and I'm like, oh, no, yeah, we're good. We're good. We're good. And then run away. Uh, calling in special code Natalie, Ninja Natalie. Another sighting, yeah. 
<laughs> so I, I have a ton of quick questions for you. I would love to get into those in a minute. But the last thing I want to ask you about before that is your goal of executive producing your own TV show. Yeah. Um, I, I'd oh, love man. to. Yeah, I'd love to hear about a little bit more of your uh, TV background and what it is that you're excited about with potentially creating your own show, or or maybe it's already in the works. I don't know. Yeah, this is this is still my. I I have many different goals, but this is the one I'm always striving to to have the right time, place, people, crew for it. Um, like you were saying, I have many labels on my life. And I think this is the one thing I could, I, it finally all comes together for something that's, that's useful in this world. And that's my goal in life is to just like inspire people to do things beyond what they thought they can do. Mm. Because that was me. Like I was never a child prodigy. I, you know, like my parents never put me in sports. So I never knew of what I was capable of doing until I could just do things myself where I had the community to tell me like, go climb that thing. I'm like, okay. Um, so the show I want to do is just like featuring these quote unquote extreme athletes or movement artists that we see on social media today. Like there's so many shows talking about, you know, the, the upbringing of a lot of football players, but like baseball players, whatever. And there's not a lot of attention being brought to the upbringing of like extreme athletes. We always see on social media or like Red Bull contests, the, the final production of like a, of their moves and like the, you know, like the edited product of like a stunt that they're trying to pull. But meeting everyone in my community up to this point, I always love hearing like, who were they as a kid, you know, like, or what was their parents like? And it's cool hearing about all these different stories about someone who just wanted to move differently or felt like they were, they always thought differently from their own community, whether it's like a small town or even being in a big town and they were always being rejected because they were they're just too crazy. And I want to like just travel around the world to maybe like fly to a different place because I'm a pilot, take a motorcycle <laughs> to meet someone up, uh, feature like a slackliner, a parkour artist, a ninja warrior, uh, a professional rock climber, and then digging really deep into their psyche of like what makes them them. Hmm. And it changes from person to person. Well, I would love to see that show. Yeah. I would love that, to watch that. That's the goal. I have a lot of people in mind, and now it's just finding the right, you know, head honcho to um, just like believe in it and and having the right platform. And and what I've learned is having the right film crew to be a part of it too. Also, mm. um, because the stuff I want to do is uh, capturing videos and and everything maybe on the edge of a cliff, or they have to like you know get in the water and dive down there with the with the athlete. So. It's not just anyone. It's it's everyone has to be like, you know, just a little bit of form of crazy. <laughs> and how are you thinking about the timeline of this? Is this something that feels like it's inevitable and you're just kind of waiting to stumble into the right people? Or are you actively like trying to work, you know, collect these people and work towards it? Um, oh, yeah, is, it's 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 collecting like a roster of <laughs> of of athletes um and also a production crew like the right producers the right people i meet because because i'm a so i like i produce television and behind the scenes you meet all these people that, that just make this show work that no one ever sees mm. and there's there's quite a few people who not only like sacrifice a lot to just get the job done but also have a sense of creativity to think differently than maybe i would and like the last few steps is just finding the right 
like just like network platform to like put it on you know what i mean mm. and also the right the right cameraman to just like get the shot like i i self-produce a lot of my own small little campaigns but i want this to be like a really uh really good quality kind of like show yeah like netflix i think i'd rather like you know like a good netflix platform it'd be great yeah just like show whatever it doesn't have to be censored so much <laughs> do you have a name in mind for the show i don't or i do but it's one of those like i need to keep something to myself you know yeah yeah okay fair enough yeah <laughs> okay always open ideas awesome <laughs> okay um I want to get into some quicker questions, and these are kind of all over the place. Some of them are just funny mm -hmm. and fun. Some of them are more thoughtful. So we'll just kind of go Fire. down the list and, and see what happens. I would love to ask, what is something, uh, maybe a hobby or an experience that you have always wanted to do or an experience you've always wanted to have and explain why you haven't done it yet? Oh. The two things, which I know I'm totally capable of having experience, I just don't want to do because I know I'm going to love it and I'm going to want to spend a lot of time and money doing it. And one of the and the two things are stunt motorcycle riding and the second one is skydiving. Mm. I've never. Well, OK, the first one I'm actively doing now because I actually <laughs> just met the, a community that's welcoming to teach me um, stunt motorcycle riding. And they like they do it every Sunday at like this secret location here in Southern California, and they just like rip on wheelies. And I actually just <laughs> bought a stunt motorcycle uh, like two days ago. <laughs> so I, I one think of those I, is happening. Yeah, I think I just watched a video of you doing your first wheelie. Oh god, yeah, that was exciting. Very nervous, <laughs> nervous, exciting. So that was that is actually an active one of those hobbies. And the second one, yeah, like I said, skydiving. I know I could do it. It's just like. I know I'm going to love it and I'm going to want to do it all the time. So mm. I'm just going to wait. Just like keep that in the back burner when I <laughs> done all these other stuff first. <laughs> okay. If you could spend a day just cruising around your home in Los Angeles, you could go anywhere you want, do anything you want. You could go hang out at Muscle Beach or whatever. And you could pick someone who you have never met to just have a play day with or go on adventures together. Uh, who would you choose? Oh, yeah, for sure. I already planned this out. So I want to take a motorcycle ride and then go to a cafe with um, Keanu Reeves because <laughs> he's the exact opposite of like who I am personality wise. So I would just I just would love to like just have a conversation with him. You know what I mean? And he loves motorcycles. He loves good motorcycles. Yeah. So I just want to ogle about I want to just stare at his motorcycle and talk to him. And then <laughs> and then and then go to a climbing gym or muscle beach with Jason Momoa because that I feel like I'm very close to achieving because he he rides Harleys. Like he's done a lot of campaign <laughs> with Harley Davidson and I do too. So I'm like, bro, let's just ride together, go rock climbing. You can bring your solo shoes, you know, we can have a great time. Um and we could teach each other different moves. And I, yeah, I think that's like so attainable, but I'm just like waiting for it to happen naturally because I don't want to be like creepy force it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, just those two I'd be very happy about. I love it. That I love the description of of Keanu being the opposite of you. And that, you know, if you picture Keanu Reeves in The Matrix, Neo from The Matrix, you two would probably be dressed pretty similar. 
But yeah, just picture Neo from the Matrix and then think of the exact opposite of that. And that is Ninja Natalie. Yep. Where I'm like jumping off of the ceiling in my coat and to make sure it's like all wafty. And I'm like, hey, (laughs) it's like, shut the fuck up. And I'm like, oh, sorry. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Does your Harley have a speaker system? No, but I attach a JBL to it. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you do. Okay, that's gonna make this speaker. That's gonna make this question work perfectly. Uh, If I were filming you driving your Harley Davidson down the road with the wind in your hair, and I were to capture you singing at the top of your lungs, what song or artist would you most likely be singing to? Oh, for sure. I already have a playlist with that. And this is the thing, you know, my motorcycle playlist is is a lot different than like I would listen to normally, like in my car. And it's just, like <laughs> just to make it ridiculous, because first I'm, it's like if you imagine like you don't know me at all and I'm like pulling up on you at a red light. It's like this tiny little Asian chick on a big ass Harley. And I play like <laughs> I, I I have a whole playlist that's like Childish Gambino and like Kendrick Lamar. And like it's basically an LA playlist with like boys in the hood. So I'm like, just I just want to make people question like what the heck they're actually seeing. And that's like kind of how I live my life. I just want to make people do a double take. They're like, wait, what what? Is that that actually happening? (laughs) Well, I do a double take every time uh, you pop up on my Instagram feed. So I think you're uh, I think you're doing it. Yeah. Good. (laughs) Uh, what is an area of your life? And this could be as an athlete or as a creator, or it could be a personal thing. What is an area of your life that you are working on improving right now? Uh, interesting, interesting. I think that's a, it's a weirdly a hard one to pinpoint because a lot of what goes along with like having many different goals. I think the general overview of my life to just stay motivated and be happy is to always constantly improve yourself. And it in many different ways. So I think, I guess for now, it's like physically, I feel like I, I feel pretty good. I'm at a pretty good plateau. But I think like my emotions, I think I would always like to have like better control with that when it and it comes to like in like my partnership and, and like my relationship with, with my partner is that I know myself and I'm very confident with myself when I'm by myself. But when it involves like another person, I like, I like, you know, you know, you just like freak Mm. out for no reason. Yeah, I definitely still do that. (laughs) So I would like to put awareness to that. And that's a whole different like spiritual goal (laughs) trying to achieve is to uh, not let other people's actions affect me so rigidly Mm. kind of thing. Because as a young kid, like I said, what helps me deal with emotions and fear conditioning is I think about it with such an analytical level. But um, I, I do get triggered by other people's actions a lot more easily than what I do for myself, which is kind of comes to the stress of social media and stuff like that. It's a daily um, kind of like, you know, practice to not be like triggered by people's words. And uh, that that's something I was trying to improve on. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I, I can certainly relate. I'm definitely more of an introvert and Uh, kind of a lone wolf and spend a lot of my time kind of doing my thing. And it's really easy for me to craft this, um, this identity around my solo time as, you know, someone who's very grounded and level headed and even keel, Mm -hmm. but it's always shocking how quickly that can all just get turned upside down. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When you're with other other people people. or yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So that's, I think in a nutshell, that's what I'm trying to prove myself with today is be unbothered mm. by other people. Um, other people's action is not, is like, is just a mere reflection of like them, their own insecurity. So I let it affect me too much. And it's one of those that just try to step back from that. Mm. Yeah. Are there any particular routines that you treat as uh, particularly important for yourself? Maybe like morning routines or bedtime routines or routines around creating content? Um, anything come to mind? Yeah. Um, as much as, you know, my personality is really loud and out there. I am, I'm an extrovert, but I really need uh, regeneration time. Like when it comes to either competing or being at like a social party or, you know, doing Ninja Warrior stuff, I always need time to myself or else I will break down. So I'm like an extrovert introvert. <laughs> and I think my alone time is is very essential um, to my mental well-being. Hmm. So it's like, I am a, I am an early sleep. I am an early riser. I'm also an early sleeper too. So I value um, kind of having uninterrupted sleep a lot of the times. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. As far as alone time, are there any specific practices um, as far as that regenerative kind of time for you goes? Is there anything that you like to do or is it just yeah. making sure that you carve out time to have alone time in general? Um, organizing, organizing my life and, and just seeing where I'm at is very important. That comes to the introvert part, like just being uninterrupted by myself. Like I said, I have like a legal notepad of just like my monthly things I need to do. So I always like to just start off with making sure my responsibilities are being met. And then after that, I, I, I have like a gratitude journal and like things that I'm thankful for, um, achieving or just being alive or just like the things I love be having in the moment, kind of writing those things down definitely contributes to having like a nice balance, like thankful, happy life. Yeah. I, I love that. What time of day do you do that? When do you write in your gratitude journal? Um, I'm probably like around like in the morning, like I'll probably do it after this. Be like thankful to have this talk with Steven. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I don't I'll know. Do the, if... I'll do the more life adulting, organizing things in the when I, as soon as I wake up and then before I go to bed and then the gratitude journal is like after, you know, during the morning coffee and stuff like that. Nice. Okay. Well, I always ask my guests uh, what they've been grateful for lately. And I would love to hear with that, you know, being such an obvious transition, what, what are some of the things that you think you'll write down in that gratitude journal today? What have you been oh. especially grateful for lately? healthy in the sense i don't have covid which is <laughs> a big accomplishment especially for the the people i've been around and also because i've been traveling like really actively mm. um especially like i go to miami monthly and it's very interesting meeting the people there because everyone's like oh yeah i got the covid like a couple weeks ago and you're like oh god it was like you're just <laughs> so close to me and like and you hugged me th three seconds ago I'm a, yeah. So I'm thankful for having COVID and I'm thankful for not being arrested. So cause I do some really weird shit all the time. Um, yeah. <laughs> Health and freedom. Yep. <laughs> Basic needs. Perfect. Uh, can you describe, this might be a tough one. Can you describe one of the happiest moments of your life? Mm. Yeah. Well, I, th the happiest moments I get are when I giggle uncontrollably and it's usually contributing to a new skill um, I'm experiencing. Like um, the one, I think the happiest moment of my life 
is, is something that I don't do often, but it was, it was like snowboarding. It was, uh, this one, I live in Southern California and I never really experienced snow often. And this was when I was early in my college days. Like I said, I got my first car. I bailed out on one of my cl- college classes that day to go snowboarding with some new friends I had from class. And then I lost them and I was by myself, <laughs> which is fine. And I love being by myself. And it started snowing. Like it was, it was, it was honestly, it was, I was 18 or I was maybe 19 years old. And it was the first time I ever saw snowfall. And I finally figured out how to snowboard without crashing. And I was by myself on this mountain and I was like, damn, this is awesome. <laughs> and I just remember I couldn't stop smiling and I couldn't stop giggling to the point where my cheeks hurt so bad because I was like smiling. And um, yeah, that was one of the happiest moments I could always recall. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I'd also love to ask about difficult moments or a difficult moment if you're open to it. Uh, is there an especially yeah. difficult moment in your life that was hard at the time that you are thankful for now? Yeah, it's difficult, I guess, in the sense that I, I'm i a control freak. So everything in my life, if if something's difficult in my own life, I contribute to something maybe it wasn't so hyper-focused on or whatever. But difficult in the sense that things are beyond my control. Like uh, maybe I think it was like five years ago, my mom... Uh, got colon cancer and like repeatedly got colon cancer to the point where she had to have a hemicolectomy like which is she had to have surgery to have a whole part of her colon removed hmm. and we were not sure that um, you know like if it was like spreading or anything like that and point blank that just sounds so terrifying but weirdly at the same time I was very confident it was going to be okay even though there was many signs of the doctor saying like just prepare yourself because we don't know where this is going to go. For some reason, I think I just needed to be that one sense of having confidence in the situation for my mom and for my family. Hmm. Like I wasn't stressed out at all, even though like I, to myself, I was like, I should be worried. Right. But I wasn't. And I think it's important to be, um, to sometimes be the, the, the light in an, in a situation, whether it's your family or, or, and your friends to just be like optimistic on good things will come out of this. And in that difficult situation, it was, it, she had the best care. She got everything taken out and she's like healthy up to this day. So I'm always thankful for that, that hmm. moment. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Incredible. Thanks for sharing that. This is going to feel like a right turn, but I'd love to ask as a yeah. television host and actress, what do you like to watch? What are some of your favorite shows or movies? Uh, it's ever since COVID happening, I actually shifted, um, a lot of the things I like to watch, which is like, I, I would never, I would always go for like the rated R action movies and like, you know, the raunchiest stuff. But <laughs> lately I've been going back to more of like PG 13 things and like PG movies and like kids movies. Cause it just, it, they're just so enjoyable to watch and fun. Like, like finding Nemo. Um, yeah like shit like that it's like it's, i don't need to be triggered all the time i already get triggered from opening instagram so it's like i've i've shifted to watching more basic kids movies lately and it, and, and i enjoy it thoroughly and you realize <laughs> nice. especially with the disney movies there's a lot of like innuendos and a lot of like bigger life meaning things that mm. you wouldn't get as a kid but as an adult you rewatch it you're like yeah damn that's deep damn Nemo, you freaking hit it yeah exactly 
Yeah, they're uh, they're very clever and very creative. There's there's so many more layers to a lot of those movies than we remember as kids. Yeah. What about movies versus shows? Do you spend mo- more time watching movies? No. Well, now I watch like all reality competitions I could watch. Just it's kind of <laughs> like um, it's research for my for like uh, my job. Like yeah. I just want to know historically the progression of reality television, and especially that I want to create my own show. I want to just like see how everything's kind of laid out. It's like the veil has been lifted, especially working in television <laughs> production for these past few years. I, you know, I, it's like, I could see the subtleties of like casting and producing um, when I watch a show. So it's mm. like, it's been fun watching all these different like dating shows. Um, I just watched like this show. I didn't realize I loved glass blowing. So I just hmm. finished a whole season of like glass blowing on Netflix. And um, what? Yeah, I, I, exactly. Is so that you, the name of the show? uh blown blown Blown? i don't know (laughs) we'll we'll fact check it i'll link to it in the show notes i think maybe if i was i'm scared to type that into google (laughs) (laughs) it's probably not the name of it it's probably called fired up or something i'm not quite sure but for reality television um people need to tune into which no one has cable anymore so i hope it's online is (laughs) i um Back in November, I was a challenge producer for the show Wipeout, which was uh, <laughs> the last season was in 2014. And do you remember what it like the kind of the show? Well, I just have a note here that says meatballs. Meatballs. <laughs> yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know Wipeout or could barely remember it, the OG show is like MXC from Japan, where it's just like normal people doing insane obstacles but we take it to a whole nother level because we involve hydraulics. We involve like heights over water. And, um, and, and when meatballs comes into play, my job description was very dynamic. It went from, you know, uh, testing out the obstacles, making sure things are at the right angle at the right strength. But also when the competitors run through the course, I got to explode meatballs out of a hydraulic shooter to the competitors. <laughs> And you always get bonus points from the executive producer when you get a face shot. So that was always the goal. So satisfying. Very therapeutic. Oh, man. I imagine that would actually hurt quite a bit to get hit in the face with a meatball out of a little hydraulic cannon. Oh, yeah. The, the, the funny job. Uh, I mean, it's it's always having interesting conversations being a challenge producer on Wipeout because you would t- we would talk to our catering guys and be like, we need the bite, the meatballs a fist width, and it needs to be dense. <laughs> and we're like, give us samples of meatballs, and we'll tell you which one's the best. So like, you would like, you would show up, and there'd be like different meatballs, and they're like, this one's good, this one sucks, we want that one. So it's very funny. <laughs> Getting catering for your meatball cannon. Exactly, I love it. So as far as Wipeout goes, I will uh, try to find a clip and link to that in the show notes for people that are curious. But uh, to kind of paint a picture, it's, uh, you know, imagine American Ninja Warrior, but with very normal, very non-athletic people. And then obstacles that are just ridiculous. Impossible. Where they're... It's not ridiculous. It's literally impossible. I will say that. <laughs> like we had maybe 80% normal people and then 20% athletes, like professional athletes. We specifically have obstacles so they will go down the show is called wipeout not <laughs> success so like we'll have like doors playing out like out of nowhere if they're running through the course so no yeah At doors least the first oh yeah the first course of it is you cannot complete it 
without falling in the water. <laughs> is it possible for someone to win? Oh yeah, for sure. It's 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 like getting to um, completing the course in the shortest amount of time. So it's either get through the course faster, more efficiently, or swim faster. Okay, so if you fall in the water, you just swim. Yeah, you swim to the next obstacle, or just like try, keep trying it until you get it. Okay, okay. <laughs> so you have talked a lot in this conversation about living life like a superhero. I would love to ask if you were, in fact, a real life superhero, which maybe you are, but what would your superhero name and outfit be? Oh, God. Yeah. See, that's the thing. I don't think I would change anything. <laughs> I would like, I love it. Still wear onesies. I love onesies because for many reasons, like I said, I could start climbing things and it's not like my nipple will pop out. Like I, I could, I could invert and everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. You need, I need zippered pockets and um, I will not wear a cape. A cape is, mm. uh, is like just asking for a death because on a, there's even many clips of people wearing capes or flags on motorcycles and it gets caught in the spokes oh and it like God. legit tears them off and I won't wear a cape Oof. and it gets in the way and it's like my hair is annoying enough. So I don't want something else just like getting in the way of like my attention <laughs> and we wear masks now. So it's like, I'm already a masked superhero. So it's great. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a do you have a quick like go-to hairstyle or something that you do with your hair when you're going to do a stunt or something oh, potentially yeah. risky? Yeah, what is your go-to? A thousand percent. It's um it's a side braid. So I shaved ha- like a quarter of my head too also because my hair was just so heavy. Yeah, like when I would do Ninja <laughs> Warrior or like any dinos, I would legit get slapped across my face with my own hair and sometimes it would leave a mark. So <laughs> Um, step one is I do a full braid, a side braid. And if, if it hangs too much, like on the Ninja Warrior obstacles, if any part of you, including your hair touches the water, you will be disqualified. So sometimes if we have low hanging obstacles, I'll tuck my hair into my sports bra and then continue (laughs) to climb like that. And it's, it showed uh, true faith up to this point. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. So the superhero Ninja Natalie win her onesie with her side braid. Uh, if you could have any superpower or superpowers, what might those be? <sighs> yeah, I would like to fly just so I don't have to like reserve a plane and then like <laughs> talk to like SoCal Tricon. Um Flying would be my favorite one for sure. <laughs> Amazing. No cape though. No cape. <laughs> just a streamlined bodysuit. That's it. <laughs> less air resistance (laughs) what uh what's next for you what are you most excited about right now i'm excited to start traveling again Mm. um uh whether whatever avenue that may be in for a lot of the these shows um the new shows coming up it's it's really difficult to actually film in los angeles so Hmm. a lot of places are either going to canada or australia so um, it's always the best to travel for a show because they pay for the flight um, <laughs> and they feed you. But otherwise, it's like traveling to uh, either have my own like Ninja Warrior uh, training facility or just like like one off trainings, uh, like kind of retreats and stuff like that. So that'd be a lot of fun. Awesome. And what are you working on now? Are you working on a show right now? I'm working, uh, kind of like contracting work on, on Ninja Warrior right now. So okay. like even tomorrow I'll be 
on the ops the like the legitimate obstacles and it's like not even fully complete so they're kind of sketchy still which is great <laughs> because like that's why we're there is we're figuring out you know what makes it safer but also makes it more difficult and like mm. kind of like dialing in or dialing out the level of difficulty so mm. that's fun it's like my skills up until this point being a climber um, you know, figuring out fear and training for Ninja War for all these years uh, has brought me to this point where I could contribute to having, you know, like knowledge into Ninja Warrior obstacles. Oh, that's so cool. You're like a root setter or like a forerunner for yeah, like a Ninja for sure. Warrior. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a lot. And it's like, yeah, it's like a whole roller coaster and a lot more sketchy, but it, I love it. <laughs> yeah, except half the, half the holds on the wall spin on purpose or whatever it is. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> or they fall. Yeah. <laughs> And where's the best place for people to follow you and to see what you've been up to? Is it Instagram? Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, I'm most active on Instagram right now, which is ninja underscore Natalie. And then I also have like a, a few products at my store, ninjanatalie.com with like these little holographic stickers. I have my own <laughs> coffee line. So oh. check that fun stuff out too. <laughs> awesome. Are there any shows that people should go watch or, or any favorite YouTube videos from back in the day? Anything? Yeah, I think the best clip that kind of sums up my life and my just like seeing all my emotions of who I am is the one video I have. I put like Natalie Duran Ninja Warrior on there. It's it's my Los Angeles qualifying run from like season eight, I believe. Mm, okay. And that's when I was like, that was my year where I was national finalist. And that run, um, I would have fallen so many different times, but somehow, thank God for my climber grip, I've gotten up to the warped wall. And then you'll see what happens after that. <laughs> Perfect. I will find that and I will link to that in the show notes along with everything else we talked about at thenuggetclimbing.com. Natalie, thank you so much. This has been super fun and it's been super fun to be following you on Instagram and see all of your crazy antics and what you've been up to over the past few months that I've been following you. Awesome. Uh, Thank you, Steven. Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you talk a lot about living life like a superhero. And I have got, I'm a, I want to finish here by reading a quote from you from your bio page on your website. Yeah. And you just wrote, live every day like you're a superhero. You don't know what you're capable of unless you attempt to push past your limits. And it's really fun to see you do that every day. So thank you again for coming on the show. And thank you for showing all of us what is possible. And everyone could do their own level of impossible too. Just touch it. So yeah, for sure. Do one thing cool this week. <laughs> I love it. Thanks so awesome. much, Natalie. Thank you. Enjoy Have the rest of your on. Thursday. Happy Thursday. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> Bye. All right. Take care. Bye. Like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. We got the right.